0: Instead of looking at more chemically or objectively, maybe how our personalities and our personality traits influence our ability to change our thinking or you know be more goal-oriented. Because I think people who have certain personality traits aren't gonna be able to or that message is not gonna be well received, like, oh, so you should just change my habits. Like that's what you're essentially telling people to do.
1: This is the Millennials Almanac, a blueprint for financial, emotional, and geographic liberation. My name is Scott Somerville, and like many millennials, I found myself in a rut. Over the last 10 years, I figured out how to get out of that rut, achieve financial independence, take control over my emotional responses, and get unstuck from the environments that were preventing me from actualizing these things earlier. Join me in season one as we discover the secrets that will enable you to stop digging yourself into the hole and also build the ladder to get you out of it. As our journey progresses, we will be joined by fellow travelers who have not only done the same, but have also come to the important question, what's next? Hello friends and welcome back. Do you find that as you learn about this process and you share it with others, you're having a problem conveying your message of positivity? Do you share the excitement that you get from learning these new ways to live your life? And when you share them with others, they tell you that you're being insensitive. Or maybe you're the recipient of this positivity message and you find it frustrating to hear from other people. In your life, things are piling up, success or peace of mind seems unreachable and the only message you're getting from those around you is just cheer up think about all the good stuff in your life maybe you're having trouble identifying where to start in the first place should I actually make this sandwich or should I eat all of the ingredients separately are you using the phrase that's just who I am to justify your negative habits today I have a special guest she is just like everyone else a really good friend of mine Uh, she's actually my sister-in-law and we talk about this stuff often and she really Really gives me an alternative perspective. As I've mentioned in previous shows, I don't want to create an echo chamber. I don't want to just have people on that agree with me. Uh, I don't want to propagandize the message either. It's highly important that we surround ourselves with people that have different opinions and are willing to share those different opinions with us. In this episode, we're going to discuss ADHD and depression and how they are intertwined. I have to add a disclaimer here that neither of us are healthcare professionals when it comes to the treatment of ADHD or depression. We're also Going to explore the meaning of toxic positivity and how it relates to these two subjects, where I often hear the term being used. Lauren and I do have different opinions on the nature of toxic positivity and what it actually means. I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Lauren. We're going to be having many more of these in the future. Side note, there's also a lot of baby sounds in this episode. I decided to leave a majority of them in so you can kind of get the feel that Lauren's sitting there having this conversation. With her newborn infant in her lap it really in my opinion adds a little bit of personability to lauren and her conversation considering this is a bit of a pilot we decided to go with lauren using her phone and her headphones but as things progress we're gonna get her a mic and it'll be nice and crisp for you guys and really thank you for continuing to listen it means the world to me kind of been not debating but going back and forth on what the heck we should actually talk about and i think that we've kind of landed on a few things they all kind of intertwine for sure i was looking at a post this morning because the way i have my news feed set up you probably heard me rambling about it but it shows me stuff that is relevant to it's not necessarily an echo chamber because a lot of it quote unquote upsets me or i feel the need to like retort to it or something but it's relevant if that makes relevant to what my path or goal is so anyway i'm not going to ramble too much but, but my point is I uh, a quote a meme if you will showed up and i fell for the trap i clicked on it and all right so here's what it said if you're not willing to work for it then don't complain about not having it But you know there's people in the comments like bullshit how many on the planet can have a space station or a yacht or a private jet or live in malibu right and then of course there were people like true yeah this is great i needed this today and i think it, the the dynamic that i saw in the comment section really speaks to to what you would like to talk about
0: definitely i was, I was thinking like how do we how do we approach this right now cuz that's a really loaded so many angles too. what's what, what's your first thought i mean i think you would agree with it
1: Sure, I agree and disagree. It is something where I think that complaining can can sort of be like a salve to that uncomfortableness that occurs when you when you have a goal visualized and you're not there. Right. It doesn't mean that there's no prerogative to complain. There's no like I'm not saying there isn't a reason to complain. You know, maybe the message itself is a little harsh, but I do think there's some truth in that where if you if you see the the vision in your head and you understand that it's something you want, then my personal take is you should be seeking out how to achieve that, right?
0: So I feel like in that vein, is a perfect example of that toxic positivity where if you just want it, go get it. You know, we're, we're told as kids, you can be anything you want when you grow up. And we know that's not true. I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't think that's true. Do you think that's true still?
1: Well, I do think what you just said is brilliant. Uh You know, like I, I couldn't be an NBA player, for right. example.
0: Well, that's <laughs> Clearly not true, and I think that is just another example of the toxic positivity that a lot of people either, I mean, fall for. Like you said, like maybe a person with your personality would be like, yeah, I really need to hear that. That was helpful. Other people who might take it more personally and think uh, maybe reflect on their personal failings and can't really verbalize or articulate articulate it and say, well, this is bullshit. They're just you're just being assholes because I worked <laughs> my ass off for thirty years and I'm nothing to show for it. So,
1: what about the take that maybe both extremes are incorrect that if you, you know, if you set an unrealistic goal that is actually unattainable, then of course the sort of messaging, it's not going to be helpful or relevant. Right?
0: No, I agree. That's that's true. You know, and I think we like to think like, and I know you've said this before that everything is so black and white. Um, I think we just take things to the means to maybe better understand them or, um, just put them in boxes because that's what our brains are hardwired to do as humans.
1: It, uh, it makes sense. Right.
0: When you start thinking about the gray area. It requires too much mental bandwidth, and that's where it gets too hard. And so that's where people, I think, and that's you know the the challenge you've presented, I think to me, and I think to other people of you know putting in the time, making the effort, and we don't want to. You know, we just I think it comes down to if if you really want to or if you don't want to. So, but maybe just answer. So it. then,
1: in the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we come full circle. Yeah. It's kind of like in certain contexts, you know, toxic positivity is absolutely detrimental. And I really think that that's going to be the the differentiator between both toxic positivity and what we'll call like non-toxic positivity. Right. I mean, whatever term we want to use. I don't like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. If we go, oh, well I can't be an NBA player, so therefore I can't create a personal budget or I can't like make small changes in my life. It's not beneficial to the recipient of the message. Right. I actually did a, an interview this week. She was saying that she's heard the same messaging over and over, like just repeatedly, her whole life. And at certain, we were talking about how like this messaging that I'm saying right now, even in my early 20s, if I heard it, I mean, 26 or 27 years old, back when we kind of first met each other, right? I would have not liked hearing what I have to say now. Uh, what Iza was saying was that the messaging eventually you hear it the right way and it clicks.
0: Right. So yeah. And I think we've talked about this a lot too, like presentation or your approach is key to people being receptive to your message, especially with hard information like that, or maybe emotionally salient information, or it can have an emotionally salient trigger, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. Uh, there was a lady in a comment section earlier this week talking about a uh, that quote that I shared that actually started this whole process, right mm-hmm. of of having this conversation and then having you on periodically with me to kind of give this this different angle. Mm-hmm. And the, the quote that that I'm referring to, it said something like this, when you try to cheer someone up who's unhappy, they fight you because they uh, are forced to kind of observe themselves and, and observe their relationship to the universe. Mm-hmm. And that unhappiness is the ultimate form of self-indulgence. When I hear that, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, And, and I, I'm not saying that's an easy message to hear, yeah. but what I realized from these comments was that one, Who is that message really geared towards? And obviously it's geared towards someone like me, right? Someone who's in that post-discovery phase. But what this lady's messaging was saying was, how is this supposed to help someone who's unhappy? How would you retort to that? Do you think that messaging is, is appropriate for someone who's in that unhappy stage?
0: No, I don't think it's appropriate because I think that's another example of that toxic positivity. Almost like, you know, if you can just find it somewhere in your brain, to just find how you can be happy like just get over it or you know find what brings joy in your life or find out Look at the things that you do have and be grateful for that. I think that's just my interpretation of how, like if I was someone who is severely unhappy in my situation and someone telling me to just find out just what, what makes you happy. I I don't find it helpful or constructive, but maybe.
1: Right. No, I, I mean, I do agree. I I absolutely agree with you. What I came to realize was that that messaging wasn't for the unhappy person. It was, it was message to someone who maybe has, has passed that point and needs a little bit of reinforcement. Yeah. We've got to also observe the, the listener, or or really try to message to who we're trying to help, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's kind of what differentiates between toxic positivity and regular positivity, I guess. Or uh, it's almost like that term has relevancy to who's actually experiencing the, the message itself.
0: I think it also speaks to how the person who is giving the toxic positivity, how they're interpreting what's going on, or, you know, their approach to how they're trying to communicate with that person, because I think the person—I think the person who's trying to tell that person who who is well-intentioned—I think—not um, realizing how their approach received. Let me give you an example. So like, so I time of like a kid and it says it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken adults. And like that quote just like hit me, especially having children. And I posted it on Instagram. It was years ago. And my stepmother had to chime in and like, she took offense to it. Like that was something that really like struck a chord with her. And you know, she like always that toxic positivity, like, well, we did the best we could with you or just think about all the things you have in my mind. Like she hasn't thought about her response how that quote affected her and she has to come out at me with her own toxic positivity without realizing how her response is affected
1: by her own emotional trigger with that isn't it fascinating like honestly it it's so fascinating to me because i'll just say random things and i'm like dude i just read this and it made me feel so great and i say it and people are like wow that's really insensitive of you and i'm just like i'm sorry <laughs> right so
0: yeah so it goes back to what you're saying like my stepmother needs to have these insights to understand or talk about or think about why she had that kind of response to it before she started off her own toxic positivity. I it went back how i interpret her words is like, she has an issue with how she's interpreting that.
1: Let me ask you this. Does, did her words affect how you felt about the message?
0: Like, so I go back, okay, let me think. Did what I post or what I say uh, was on, you know, what's that one like acronym that kind, is it helpful as instruction? Like don't post it if it's not any of those things, but um I wasn't coming from a place of wanting to attack. Yeah, no, I felt justified, but I guess firm my, in my resolve to post it because it was something that spoke to me, not necessarily, I wasn't concerned about how it might affect how my stepmother might perceive it. No, I wouldn't say her words really affected me because, yeah, that's just not how I, that's not where I was going with it. But I guess I did post it because, you know, given my history with, you know, having blended families and divorce, like now having children of my own and you know, maintaining a marriage that is successful. That's what spoke to me. I
1: I think it's an awesome quote, by the way. I I agree with it entirely. This concept fascinates me because we all inherently know that like our own perceptions are our own responsibility, right? Right. Right. But when it comes to this topic, we tend to sort of, that kind of goes out the window. Uh, And I do it too. Yeah, this, this one is one where I am constantly... One, looking for further clarification of, of the topic and sort of like my own perspective even, and really trying to figure out how do I talk about this in a way where it like actually helps people? How do you move the ball down the field for people that may be in that depressed state or that unhappy state? And one thing that I, I did want to talk about with you too, is you can't like think your way out of depression, right? No.
0: No, that's, I agree.
1: You can't think your way out of uh, like having your leg chopped off or something, right? Where, what I'm kind of messaging, what that, where that comes out in these, both these situations, like depression and, and severe injury and so forth, of, of which I should qualify, like I was physically disabled for, for months, you know, right. like I, I'm not saying it's a permanent thing, but that, that gave me that perspective. I was like, well, this is what it's like to have to park in the handicap spot and stuff. Right. Like that's why yeah. the handicap spot is there. That's why these ramps are here. You know, like right. that's, that's why all these things exist. And without that, that experience, you're never going to really know. You'll know in air quotes, but you won't, yeah. you won't have an experiential reference.
0: And I wouldn't say like, I think we should avoid people who are clinically, you know, depressed or something because yeah. Because neurologically or chemically it's something that is
1: not and we can absolutely talk about depression. What we can't do right. is offer a clinical perspective. Does no, that make sense? Uh,
0: yes. Neither of us are licensed to diagnose or treat depression. Disclaimer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you want I'll throw it in, but you know, you don't we really to. have to. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I feel better. All right. Well I'll definitely disclaimer it then. And what I was going to say is, uh, while, while I was, again, thinking about all of this, what I'm kind of describing or suggesting to people is, is almost creating these little fire alarms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the fire alarm doesn't prevent the fire from happening. Just like okay. this, this positive thinking or these habitual safeguards, they're not going to cure your depression, right? Right. Right. what they're going to do is act almost as a fire alarm. It's going to go, you're going to, what we're trying to do is recognize that our behavior is a, is being produced by these chemicals in our body, right? Because I, I suffer from chronic depression. I am extremely neurodivergent when it comes to ADHD, right? I, I just forgot what I was talking about mid-sentence, for example. Like, and I've had three cups of coffee <laughs> with no coffee. I'm just like, wait, where, where am I? <laughs> you know, I walk into a room and I'm just literally like,
0: what, am I doing what was I
1: doing? <laughs> <laughs> so in, in, on this topic, right. What, uh, what I could do is go, oh, well, I'm not a billionaire because I have ADD. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not, and this is, this is again, using the extreme example. Let me just say like. Uh, I don't have a clean house because I have ADD. Okay, I'll use a, a relevant example. <laughs> but what I've had to do personally is build in all of these habits into my life where I keep a list. For example, there's this huge list on my phone of things I have to do. Or I make sure to drink coffee or I take some kind of stimulant when I need to do work because I know that's going to bring me to uh, like a, a normal person's level of uh, of attention span, right? No.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But right. what, I, what I'm trying to say here is we're not thinking away the depression. We're not thinking away the ADHD. What we're doing is acting in our human capacity to build those safeguards around these things we know we have. Does that make sense? It does. Do you think that's a, like a tone deaf approach?
0: Um, I don't know if I use the word tone deaf, but it just makes me wonder – and again, I'm not a psychologist. I don't didn't study psychology, but I was thinking about this and how instead of looking at it more chemically or objectively, maybe how our personalities and our personality traits um, influence our ability to change our thinking or you know be more goal oriented um, because I think people. Who have certain personality traits aren't going to be able to, or that message is not going to be well received. Like, oh, so you should just change my habits. Like, that's what you're essentially telling people to do. Um, that's just you know one interpretation of how I think someone might um, take it. Well, but I think they're
1: Oh, mm-hmm. I was going to say is you know we personally know some people that.
0: I mean, I could give you a perfect example. <laughs> right
1: now. I, We're I, not going to say this person's no, name. But this,
0: they came to mind instantly. <laughs> and, uh, right. No, I'm acting my brain. Like, if if I was to present that message to this person.
1: Oh, um, this person would get extremely upset, by the way.
0: um, And I think I would get a lot of excuses as to why. But again, I go back. Okay, so what is the reasoning for why this person gives me these excuses? Is it more personality? Is it learned behaviors? Is it past experiences? Is it, you know, so I think it's a comb. I think it's, it's all of it, right? Right. So it's so hard to just like put it in a box and be so black and like, so this is what you just have to do. Like, there's so many other nuanced things to it that I don't think it's so easy for this one particular person who I know, you know, I'm thinking of um, to just change their behaviors. Because here's the
1: thing. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Right. Right. And, And this this again, back to toxic positivity. I think when the messaging is focused on the ease, that is toxic positivity. Right. When the message is focused on the simplicity or complexity of the problem,
0: mm-hmm. that is
1: not toxic positivity to me. Uh, and and just to kind of clarify, what I'm saying is, if we go, oh, it's easy to change, that is a fucked up message to give people.
0: Right. That's toxic positivity. just just do it. Like, no, this is not a Nike commercial. Like, no, not you can't just do it. It's not that simple. So
1: okay so so i'll use a cascading example here i'm gonna use depression as an example because again it's my frame of reference add and depression and they go hand in hand by the way and to me the reason that they do go hand in hand is because when you are a heavily uh, adhd or add person right you can't live a normal life without these safeguards in i know from experience where some people they just like they wake up and they remember things you know or they don't act impulsively in socially awkward situations or socially inappropriate situations either, right? And when you make these impulsive decisions or reactions, it leads to problems down the road that are going to lead to you being uh, ostracized and or rightfully removed from society, right? That will then lead to depression as well. So again, back to the cascade here, Let's say you're suffering heavily from depression and you've got a normal job, like a nine to five job or something. Mm -hmm. And your body is telling you to just lay down and do nothing all day, right? So you you use your your little bit of energy to show up at work and do the best job that you can within your ability. And when you get home, you can't do anything else because you're, you know, you're depressed. Well, that's going to cause you to not do chores. That's going to cause you to not take care of your taxes, not take care of your car maintenance, not take care of your dishes. Right. And then those are going to compound. So eventually you're going to be at a point where you've got to get to work in 25 minutes. You have no clean clothes. You don't have any gas in your car your tires are bald right. and that's when it starts to affect your life in negative ways. You lose your job. And then now you're depressed with all those things and no income. right? And then next thing you're homeless, you know, or something like that. So what I'm kind of saying in this messaging and just to clarify is we've got to, and I, and again, I personally went through this, so that's not, I'm not talking down. This is just me talking to my former self. Again, when I lived in Florida and the person you knew before, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I needed, was to build in safeguards. And this is what got me out of it. So even though I was incredibly depressed, I had to go put those clothes in the lawn into the washing machine and push the button. Right. I had to set an alarm on my phone. 45 minutes later, go put those clothes in the dryer and push the button. Right. I had to acknowledge that my car was telling me I was about to be out of gas and go to the gas station and put gas in. And and again, I want to qualify. You can't think yourself out of these problems. But this is what I'm saying is where, quote unquote, thinking out of the problem is actually thinking in a way where how do I how do I do these things that are going to make that drive to work happen? Right. So that I don't lose my job. I at least have clean clothes and gas in my car.
0: She may, okay, so for someone who the person we were talking about is not able to think of those things. She's, they're not able to pre-plan, which is a part of our brain and the frontal lobe, which um, is responsible for executive functioning. That, in my opinion, is not functioning for a lot of people or maybe that part of the brain isn't as strong for some people. That's my one, that's one possibility. Or it's um, intrinsic motivation. So you are intrinsically motivated to be able to pre-plan to where you are able to, quote unquote, think yourself out of these problems. For the person we're thinking about, I don't think they are physically capable of doing so and that they don't have the intrinsic motivation, which cannot be taught. And I think that goes back to, I don't know if that's more personality. Again, learned experiences.
1: My retort though, is that you see me now. Right. If you had seen me before I was like this, you would have thought I was exactly like that person. In fact, I was, I honestly was, if that makes sense. You
0: are, I definitely see the parallels. Um, but I think the difference is that intrinsic motive, you were intrinsically motivated to change and do something about it.
1: What happened was a serious event happened in my life. One was my motorcycle accident. And then two was Samantha leaving me.
0: So essentially you're hitting like a rock bottom.
1: Oh, my God. Exactly. And if you think about this person that we're talking about, every single person surrounding this person enables this behavior. They enable this person financially and they enable this person psychologically. And it doesn't mean that positive thinking is going to solve this problem, but it means that that wall has to be hit. That bottom has to be hit. Or you're just going to be continuing on the loop.
0: So is that what you're saying is that once someone hits the rock bottom, it's either they, they find that intrinsic motivation, maybe it was there after all, or maybe it would never was there to begin with, and they are just going to be content in the rock bottom situation.
1: Yeah, to some extent. And, and you know, I'm a dog trainer dude, and, and I'm a naturalist or whatever and all that stuff. But But the human being didn't evolve to exist without that struggle, if that makes sense. So – when that's And that was the same problem I had, the way I was raised and everything. I, again, I, I empathize with this person so incredibly much because I was in the exact same situation, like literally. So that resistance from nature is what causes the organism to like overcome that i'm just talking metaphorically or existentially here but if that doesn't happen then the organism never learns to actually self-actualize it's a whole another conversation of human beings are the only things that can self-actualize but in my opinion and this goes back to what i'm actually trying to do with this podcast and in these conversations is provide people with potentially that messaging that they won't get from those around them. Maybe those people are scared. Maybe those people, they have their own motivations for keeping the, those people in that place in their life, right? Um, you even mentioned hearing this will upset that person.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And whoever's listening will hear this and maybe they will take it one of two ways. They'll take, oh, wow, this is me and I need to self-internalize, figure out my life, or we suck and we're just
1: I don't want anyone listening to think they suck. No. And and back to the comment section on that, uh, on that one of those posts, there was a girl in there that was like, well, I'm this, 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 you know, I have PTSD, I have ADHD, I have chronic depression, I have like a whole bunch of stuff, right? And then also went into, I was misdiagnosed, my therapist says this, my therapist says that. And those are all factually true statements. I'm approaching it from the fire alarm perspective. And by the way, this analogy really upset that person too. I, you know, I'm not here to say it should or shouldn't upset you, but but what I was correctly articulating in my opinion is those things don't define you as an individual. They give you a frame of reference to why it is difficult for you to not be, let's say the same as Scott or the same as Lauren, right? right. It's a frame of reference It's, it's an explanation, not an excuse.
0: Right. I think it's hard for people to disassociate, like personalizing a message to their own experiences and taking it just objectively, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Just like your stepmother. And let's say the person that we keep referencing, would they use their past experiences, conditioning or external stimuli as the reasons for their behavior? Absolutely. Exactly. This is the difference, right? This is the fundamental difference is do we externalize our own behavior or do we seek to understand why it's occurring and how we can change it?
0: I think it depends on um, how self-aware someone is and if they're actually trying to change something in their life. So, again, two different camps of people. You know, you begin information. What are you going to do with the information? It's uncomfortable to self-reflect and think about why do I do these things or why do I say these things it's exhausting I do it every day you know so having kids and like a toddler three-year-old he makes me check myself every day emotionally like I have realized I am not the person I thought I was I'm not the patient person I thought I was I'm not the caring person I thought I was at all times because they are so literal and they feel things right then and there he really forces me to self-reflect on why I have this reaction or this emotional outburst like what I need to always self-check check check in like why am I feeling this way way what's going on with me and what can I do to be better next time or how can I respond differently next time um and that takes a lot of work I mean it's every day so putting that into perspective for someone else to just try to get day-to-day things done it's it's hard work it's a lot and you know like you've like you said it's you have to put in the effort
1: now you're sounding like the toxic positivity person I'm just kidding. Am I? Kidding. <laughs> oh no. Again, this the person we keep referencing would say you're being toxically positive right now.
0: Yeah. Um
1: it's I it's, mean, I <laughs>
0: Going back to self, I mean, it really is self-reflection and that accountability It's like check in on yourself. Like, how exactly. are you feeling today? Why are you feeling that way? And is that affecting you to get these things done or your response to other people today? Because that yeah. also affects every other day-to-day things that require executive functioning skills in order to, you know, those building steps that you, that you talked about to get out of the
1: hole. And your your comments about dealing with your son the, that's a natural process that forces you again to react or respond to this in a natural way. It removes you from the artificial world that we live in of like stop signs and stop lights and road lines on the road and everything like telling us what to do. There's no lines on the road for dealing with your son, right? Nope. <laughs> so you've, you've got to figure out, because of this natural process, who you actually are. And once you know Absolutely. who you are, you can change your behavior.
0: Absolutely. And it's been uncomfortable. I can tell you, I don't like it. It is it's the season of life I do not enjoy. But I think, <laughs> I hope I will appreciate it in hindsight.
1: I think um, you will. And the, even having these conversations now, it's going to be exciting to for you to look back on, too.
0: Yeah. I can't believe I ever thought that or ever said those <laughs> things. <laughs>
1: I mean, Mm. the way that I've treated people in the past, I'm horrified by. There's nothing that I can do about it now, but I think back about stuff I've done. I don't want to say I regret them, but but legit, I just wish that I could go back and undo them, you know? But there's nothing that I can do. There's only thing I can do is change what I do in the future. Right. And I, like, literally, some lady road-raged on me the other day, and I flicked her off, you know? Like that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Like I'm not a perfect person, you know, I'm a human being and it's, uh, you gotta be like gentle on yourself. And, and, and really like what we're saying about toxic positivity, you have to do that to yourself too. You have to, you have to create hope even in your own life. And this goes back full circle and I'll stop rambling at you. I apologize. No, you're good. If you, if you look at things from external things, are the singular cause of where I'm at. How do you change your own life? How do you change what you do?
0: You can't because it's not your fault, right? It's right. everything else around it you can't control, but that's you not true. You have true. to
1: change the world. So if this, if this is the messaging you receive all of the time, of course you're gonna be depressed about the situation. Like you have no say over it. But when you realize that, that you do have a little bit of choice, I think that's where the hope begins. That little fire starts again.
0: Right. And maybe that's, you know, that's a good way to approach it. I think that you have a choice that you are given the power of choice to change it. But I don't know if that's maybe that's being toxic. too.
1: All we can choose is our reaction to things. We can't choose what happens to us and we can't choose the consequences of those actions, but we can choose at least those actions or reactions. I apologize. Do you have any words of wisdom for the listeners that you want them to kind of live by or or keep in mind this week?
0: When you were saying about, you know, talking about choice, like, a humanity prayer, like, you know, I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in praying, but, like, you know, not not God, but, like, you can choose. Instead of saying, you know, God, grant me the humanity to choose the things I cannot change, like, just change it to, like, the, the power to want to change things or, I don't know, something like that. But <laughs> I need to find a secular, I'm going to make my own secular surrender. So grant me the humanity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom for the difference.
1: This episode, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, click the stars, tell us what you think. You can also find us on the MillennialsAlmanac.com as well as a Facebook group where we're going to start interacting with our listeners. If you had questions, if you'd like to hear topics discussed on the show, please let us know in these venues. I hope this week treats you well and I look forward to interacting with you.